welcome. Welcome to another episode of Benny Sources Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking to y'all and giving y'all some information on Ludacris, um, his first album, or the question is, was it really his first album or was it his first major album, which is titled Back for the First Time. Um, It dropped in October 17th, uh, the year 2000. Under the Disturbing the Peace label, which is his label. But also as well, it was under Def Jam slash Def Jam South. A lot of people don't know that this was the first album released under Def Jam South, which was ran by Scarface at the time. Um, Scarface was the head of Def Jam South. Um, He was appointed by Russell Simmons. Because Russell Simmons wanted someone from the South running uh, Def Jam South, basically. He wanted to he wanted someone from the South to give the the label the South feel. Um, if I'm not mistaken, as well, he actually I want to I don't want to say found Ludacris because Ludacris was already doing his DJ thing in Atlanta. Um, with his first, um, I guess you can say his first recorded recorded album, which was titled Incognito. Um, but anyways, um, he went down and I guess you can say gave Ludacris um, his chance, gave him his shot. Or basically, like you said, like I said, Ludacris was a, um, a radio jockey at the time and he was playing a lot of his music. So he was getting he was getting the, the traction that he needed. Um, one of the other things that people don't know is that he, when he signed with Dev Jam South, he ended up getting his his group on as well, which is the Disturbing the Peace group as well. And by him doing that, he got um, I can't let me see who was all in that group. If I'm not mistaken, it was so just some former names that was a part of the. Disturbing the Peace label was, of course, you had Ludacris and uh, Shaka Zulu, and I believe his brother running the label. But some of the artists they had on the label um, at during this first album run, it was basically Shauna, I Twenty. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was um, the Player Circle at that time, which was Titty Boy. As we know now, is two change and Dollar Boy, and it was a, one more other person as well. I believe Phil Mob as well. But going back to the reason um, why I chose Ludacris first, at one point in time, Luda was my favorite rapper um, from the South. I like there. I like the way he rapped. I like the the way he chose his beats. I like the way he carried himself as a businessman back then. Um, and as you can see today, he's um, accomplished probably almost all his goals and things that he set out to do. But today I'm here to talk about Back for the First Time, um, which is supposedly his first album, major album. Um, but for us, a lot of people that heard Incognito might say otherwise. Now, for the people that don't know, I'm going to go ahead and explain what Incognito is. Incognito was his 
his album that was around that was floating around the streets and it got released back in I believe 1999 or um early 2000s so basically what happened was he had this album Incognito it was it had the same songs as you hear on back for the first time so I believe it was maybe 10 or 12 songs that is on back for the first time those songs were on incognito so those songs were repackaged um made made i guess you can say engineered better to sound the the sound quality and of course on back for the first time they added a couple songs as well and that was packaged as a official release for Ludacris on um DTP slash um Def Jam South. Now a lot of people might ask now how the heck did that happen, but that was something if I'm I read all around and been trying to figure out how did that happen myself, but from reading um a couple of articles it said it sounds like that was a plan all along coming from Scarface. Scarface wanted to do that because he liked the way the Incognito sounded and he wanted to put those songs on the major airwaves and continue to use it since it was all those songs were already gaining traction. Which makes sense from from a business standpoint. You know, um you have music that's already hidden, everybody liking it, everybody playing and talking about it and it doesn't have an official home yet, so I'm gonna bring it over here, give it an official home, and I'm gonna just make money off of it, which was a good idea. And Ludacris knew what he was. I guess you can say he knew what he was doing when he made that deal because obviously he got um, a, a label deal out of it as well, which was the disturbing the peace, which is you know like I said, good business from him and uh, Shaka. Now, I'm going to go over the track list and with y'all on this album. So starting with track one, you have the intro, which is called You Got a Problem. Uh, track two is Game Got Switched. Track three is First and Ten with I-20 and Fake. Track four is called What's Your Fantasy, which was one of the singles that they pushed for this album. And that song has Shauna on there. Uh, one of the... Track five was a skit, which was Come On Over. Um, six was Hood Stuck. Seven was Get Off Of Me with Pastor Troy. And during this time, Pastor Troy was um, pretty hot. He was making beats, producing beats. Um, and he was, he was, he had, a, I believe he had a hit song around this time as well. Um, track eight was Mouthing Off featuring uh, 4IZE. And track nine, you had the Stick 'em Up featuring UGK. Track 10, you had the Ho, Ho skit, which leads into the song called Ho. Track 12, you had the Ticket Sold Out skit, which was basically that skit was all, you know, they were basically telling saying all the concert dates. Um, I be, I'll play a little clip of it, but I'm not going to play a long clip. But basically it was, they were talking about all the concert dates and they was saying it's sold out, this city sold out, this city is sold out. And then at the at, end of the skit, you have the, the radio jockey that says, well, why the hell am I doing this? And that was the end of the skit. 
but that's one thing that I will talk about later is Ludacris and his skits because from a creator standpoint, his skits was was very, very unique. It was good. It was creative. And when it came to skits, he did a hell of a job on almost every album, at least the first one, two, three, first four or five albums, he did a hell of a job on the skits. Um, Let's see, what was next? Uh, Track 13 is Catch Up featuring I-20 and Fake. Track 14 was Southern Hospitality featuring Pharrell. Track 15 was What's Your Fantasy remix. And this remix was with Trina, Shauna, and Foxy Brown. He had the ladies on here. And then the last song was the, I guess you can say, the most talked about song on the album. And some people would say it might be the best song on this album, which was called Fat Rabbit. So I want to get into the a segment that I'm going to do with I discuss music albums. I'm going to do something called Top 4 of that album. So the top four of this album that I consider to be, you know, the the songs that make the album is going to be Fat Rabbit, What's Your Fantasy, Southern Hospitality, and that last song will be Stick It Up, Stick 'Em Up featuring UGK. These four songs basically make the album. You know, when you're listening to it and these songs come on, you automatically start liking it. You you feel a, a different vibe with it. And I was telling someone the other day, like, when Luda did his verses with Nelly, I felt like it should have been it should have it should be redone basically because Luda has the hits. Not not saying that he that Nelly doesn't, but Luda has the hits to go against anybody almost, if you're a Luda fan. Um, am I a Luda fan to this day? Yes, I'll still listen to his music, but at times it don't sound the same. But that's another topic for another day. <laughs> the next segment I want to get into is something um, involving the skits in this album. Like I said in the track listing, you have the Come Over skit, the whole skit, the ticket sold out skit, and I gave y'all a brief description of what that skit sounded like. The come over skip skit. I'm gonna go ahead and play a little bit of that. I'm gonna play like maybe a five or ten second clip of that skit, and once I get to it, that way that y'all can just to refresh y'all. Refresh our memory on that skit to see, so y'all can see what it sound like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You gone. Eighty-five South. Okay. You gonna get off on Old National Highway uh-huh. and make a left. Uh-huh. Gonna come all the way down till you get to Creel Road. Eighty-five South. Creel. Okay. And you just gonna keep coming down. You are gonna see this big ass white mansion on the right hand side. <laughs> Hell yeah, it's gonna be a convertible jack and oh uh, shit. Oh, Range Rover all black. Oh. Hell yeah. We like right next door and shit in this HUD house, man. Yeah, the door kind of fucked up, so you gonna have to um, you gonna have to climb through the window. Is that cool? What the fuck? Hell no, nigga. <laughs> so as y'all hear that skit, the you can hear them in the background. You can hear them in the background saying on Chrome. So like when Luda is saying 
you're gonna see this all black range or this all white on dubs. Them niggas in the background saying on chrome, on chrome, which is stupid. <laughs> the other funny part is that niggas say you got a they got a hood house, so you're gonna have to climb through the window. Now, this is this is something that I wanna ask everybody out there. Have y'all ever went to somebody's house before and had to climb through the window before? Or go through the back door because the front door is messed up? Or simply just can't go in, shit, just because the doors is messed up, period. Or they you walk straight in because they don't have no doors. Um, Me growing up where I came up, I've seen plenty of instances in, in that case where doors is not on, house, doors is not on. Now, they will put the doors on that night or something like that, but they took the whole door off during the daytime, I'm guessing for air reasons or circulation or whatever the reason may be. But they have took the whole door off and just no screen, no nothing, just wide open, which is hilarious because it just shows that there's other people in this world that might have done the same shit that you probably did or been thinking. On to the next part, though. Um, I want to talk about the videos for this album. For this album, it was only two videos. The What's Your Fantasy album and the Southern Hospitality album. Now, as I went back and refreshed before I did this, I watched the Southern Hospitality video first. And... The Southern Hospitality video, when they had the Escalade, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that is the video. The Escalade, <laughs> they were showing that motherfucker off. Now, this was this video was in, this video came out either 2000 or 2001, if I'm not mistaken. But the the that video showing the Escalade and they riding around in the Escalade, it's hilarious to me because to think how times have changed, like back then these rappers was riding around in Escalades and, and um, what was the other car? Of course, Benzes and all that, but Escalades, I think during, I think the Escalades came out in 99. I'm going to check my source on that, but I believe the Escalades came out in 1999. And when I say those mugs look like some big explorers back then, looking at, re-looking at this video, and the video clips of it is just hilarious to me how big those cars was and how they look. Um, <laughs> one of the other things I thought that was funny about the video was this particular video was that they were all basically it was shot in the neighborhood. It was it was shot at the the, the corner store. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I've never been to Atlanta, so I don't know the streets or whatever. But it looked like it was shot at in front of a store, up and down the street, a main block basically, which is how they did videos back then. If you remember, it you didn't do a lot of. You had a couple people that did a lot of. Um, I guess now we know them as what CGI green screen videos, this and that. But back then, you really had the whole neighborhood out in front of stores, in front of buildings, you know, like it it was a real video shoot. One of the other things that stood out to me in this video was that 
he would be he was hanging upside down in this video and he had the afro out now i will say that Ludacris was one of the 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 first people that i've seen with the blowout afro this was in 2000 so i'm probably what fifth grade sixth grade something like that and it was weird to me going back and looking at it because i was like man well what year did, did this video come out and what time was we in because you can tell he had the first blowout because he was in the the even this was more towards the end of this video particular video he was hanging upside down and he had the airbrush t-shirt on as well which during this time was very very popular with the airbrushing you know i want to say i think everybody in the world probably had some airbrush um not me i don't know why i guess i was a lame but uh, <laughs> i never had an airbrush t-shirt never had an airbrush shirt sweater nothing like that which was weird seeing him in it and i don't believe he had it i don't i want to correct myself i don't think he had exactly a t-shirt on i believe it was an airbrush um it looked like a, a sweater or a, a, just a, a long sleeve t-shirt but like i said he was hanging upside down which I, I would like to know how they did that, but I can kind of picture they probably just shot him shooting face up, regular, you know, regular angle, and then just flipped it when it came time to edit it in the video. But it's just crazy to think how they would did how they did something like that back then. And I think also too when they did the throw them bows, they had a little um um like a little effect on him because it would show him multiple times, which during that time was, was genius. Like I said, only him and Missy Elliott was pretty creative with their videos back then. And the next video that I went back and looked at that was, was very, very weird. Oh, and also in the Southern hospitality video, you had two short in that video and Scarface as well. Now this is the second video you know of the album so people would see scarface in this video and like i said earlier he was in charge of def jam south so if you ever seen that video in question were like well damn why the hell is scarface in the you know scarface is houston h-town texas and he's within atlanta but like i get said earlier you know he basically the one that got ludicrous the deal he signed him he he went looking for him basically and um, it was someone else in this video, back to the video, someone else in this video that I can't remember who it was. Um, but the next video that I'm going to talk about is the um, the video, uh, Southern House, no, not Southern House, but What's Your Fantasy with, with uh, Shauna. Now, in this video, this was the first video they put out for the album, which was the lead single i should say and in this video you have shauna with the red the red hair i don't i don't know if they was doing wigs or 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 what back then but she had the red hair the short 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 wet red hair and this video it looked like they were in a parking lot somewhere in atlanta but if you're looking at this video closely like I was, I basically dissected it in every angle. And at the very, very beginning of the video, you see Scarface in there. And you don't see him anymore to the end of the video. 
which I thought was weird. But like I said, after doing research and figuring out why, it makes sense now. Um, also, this is the video where you see two chains, well, Titty Boy in as well. And this video, they're all riding scooters. If y'all remember, they were riding scooters. Um, two chain, well, Titty Boy was riding his scooter. And he had like the little, um, the little African hat on, which was weird. And I'm like, damn, he looked super young in that video. So if, if y'all out there um, listening to this, y'all go back and look at that video and and see how how two how two chains look. He looks almost the same, but you can just tell in his face that he was super young. And um, one of the other. The other people that you see in the video is um, Jermaine Dupree. They all he was riding on one of the scooters as well. Now you only get a you gotta be quick because you will miss him. But he's in there towards the end as well. It's a quick quick glimpse of him, which you know during this time we know JD. You know when you say Atlanta, all you really you know you think of is during this time was JD, which is which is awesome. You know shout out to JD. You know. But yeah, those two videos were the only two videos that were pushed out for this album. Now, in the middle of the um, "What's Your Fantasy" video, they do a a cut scene for a hoe. You know, use a hoe. You know, they do like a little um, a intro intro to that song, which during that time a lot of artists did that. If you think about it, they were either promoting a song. It would be a promotion of a song at the beginning, the middle, or the end of a video back then. Around the 90, 99s, 2005, through that era, they were putting two different songs in videos, which was great promo because you're watching a video and then you all of a sudden you hear this, oh, shoot, what song is this? And when you buy the album, you're going to go sit up there and look for that particular song to try to... And that's just... That's just marketing. They just trying to push this, the sales up, you know, get you to like another song besides the song that they are playing. But during this video, but during that cutscene of the the whole the whole skit and the whole song in the video, he gets hit hits by a bus, <laughs> which, like I said, Luda was great with the the graphics, the 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 creative the creativeness of his videos, and I thought it was interesting because. You know, you don't see too many videos like that nowadays where you're looking at a video and they do a cutscene to another song. But like I said, these were the only two videos that were pushed for this song. Ho wasn't pushed with a video, and I'm guessing it's because of the budget. But I don't want to talk about that. Um, what is next? So I want to talk about what videos meant for albums back then. To me... The videos made the albums back then. If you remember, if you ever back then sit around, watch MTV all day or watch BET all day, when that song came on, it made you want to go either buy the single because back then, remember, they would sell singles as cassettes or um, CDs. They would just sell the single. So videos was the bread and butter back then. Videos had a lot of money behind them back then. Today, not so much. People really don't care less about videos. I believe now 
they do videos because they have money left over in the budget and it's like, well, let's just put some visuals out just to get get a little buzz, a little more buzz on it. And if the people gravitate to it based off of the video, then that's fine. So also during this time, I want to talk about one of the other things that stood out in this looking at those looking at these videos was uh Luda had the the fangs on the on his bottom fangs he had um the, the I guess the platinum caps on his fangs and I believe he did this for the first um back for the first time word of mouth chicken and beer I believe he did it for his first three albums, if I'm not mistaken. He had the the Ice Style Fangs, um, which was unique because back then everybody was. I think I believe the 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 grills and all that was starting to become popular, or people was getting mouthful of golds and all that back then. And I want to say that was, you know, that was a culture a culture shift, culture change in the in the in the in the hip-hop world because you know you had all these people that were looking for something to what was what would be the next biggest thing that's going to make everybody pop and not saying that what Luda was doing made made him pop more but it was just a different look at that time I don't believe nobody else was doing the 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 caps on the fangs which was interesting going back and looking at the video I don't know if that was supposed to be um I don't know if he did that intentionally like I said to to have a different look or if he was doing that because that was just his style and also during this time they were wrapping the bandanas up around their arm and all around their wrist which was looking back at it is super weird bro like you don't see too many people doing that nowadays also the clothes that he was wearing during these videos he had the baggy the baggy shorts and the big jerseys a lot of the dudes that were extras or his label mates in the videos they were wearing baggy clothes as well so this is around like i said the 2000s so um the baggy clothes was in around this time which is starting to make a comeback now which is funny because it's just all it does is recycle it so one more thing around this time that he was doing which was he had the braids with the double earrings which the two diamond earrings which was very i guess you can say popular around this time as well the braids of course because this is around the time where everybody was starting to grow their hair and try to get the hang time and get the designs in the in the braids and all this and that I never never did that, never tried that. But it was it was a trend. And could we say that trend started in the South? Huh? Maybe. You know, you think you think the South is the South is very trendy, I should say. For the for the people out there that's listening. The South is very trendy. We don't get the credit we deserve from the South with us being as trendy as we we are. So let's go to the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is when you listen back to this album now, would you consider this a classic album? When you go back and listen to it, do you have the same ear for it as you did when you first heard it? Or 
what were some of the songs that that stuck out to you back then? Do them same songs still hit like they do? So this is the part of the show where I'm going to, when I ask this, I'm going to start playing little five or ten second clips of certain songs just to see if what when you hear these clips what is your what is your reaction what is does this clip make you get does this clip get you does this clip get you crunk does this clip make you like oh i remember when i first heard this so that's what i want y'all to get out of me playing these clips like this song in particular this was one of the best songs on this on this back for the first time album which was produced by Timberland so when y'all hear this, you should automatically know. I'll be that a Luda, aka L-O-V-A, L-O-V-A. What you wanna say one time? So like that song. When you hear that song, what does that does that do you listen to it with a different ear now? Or do you listen to it with the same the same ear as you did back in two thousand? Which I you really shouldn't because as the older you get, you should listen to music with different pair of ears. Listen to it with a different uh, learning experience. I want you to ask yourself how do you how do you rate an album then and now? So if you go back and listen to an album that came out years ago, and then you gave it a rating, and you go back and listen to it now, how do you rate it? What do you give it? Do you do you expect the same sound? So that's what I want people to do when I'm talking about a lot of this old music you go back and listen to that album now you shouldn't be listening to it with the same ears you should have a different um a different set of ears on basically now the next thing that i want to that i want to talk about is some underrated songs on the album um i believe i only had two um mainly because like i said this album was 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 if I had to rate this album, I must go ahead and give it now. If I had to rate this album out of ten, I would give it a seven and a half. Seven and a half, eight. But one of the most underrated songs on this album, I would have to would have to be the the Hoodstuck song, which I'm gonna play a clip of. Now this song was underrated to me, but it was still it still jammed. Uh, that's it. I'm not gonna give y'all a whole lot of that the music on here. So on to the next topic. Um, I wanted to talk about intros. In- Ludacris intros are very very different. If you go back now and listen to the intro from back for the first time word of mouth chicken and beer uh release therapy almost every uh red light district almost every intro that ludicrous on a that's on a ludicrous album he kills it he kills it he he's going to give you bars for bars for bars on every intro that he possibly has made and i read an article of him explaining why he did that and basically you know to sum it up he was basically saying because he want he want that first song to be 
the the tone setter for the album. He wants y'all to feel that 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 heat coming right away. Um, the the intro for this song was "You Got a Problem," <clears throat> which to me it it's, it, it it puts him in. <laughs> he says a whole bunch of shit in uh, that that's gonna make people listen with different ears. This is what going back listening now and I heard this intro, I said, God damn. I had to go back and listen to it again before I even went to track two. And then me, after I heard it, I went to another album of his and listened to it. Went to another album, listened to the intro, and I'm like, Lord, dude, this dude really kills every freaking intro that he does. Which is on purpose he's not doing it by accident he's doing it on purpose no hook just straight bars it's, it's straight hip-hop bars on all of those if if i'm not mistaken i believe every intro that he's doing on all of them albums that i said it's no hook on there no no hook no chorus just straight bars so after that intro um i want to talk about another song on there which is called um uh, off which is, um, it's like a little freestyle type thing, which is why I talked about the intro. Um, you know, it was just a freestyle. But if you go back and listen to this album, I'm going to play a little clip of the the mild and off track uh right now ask the most they say i'm next and got that butter love and get too close follow the leader cuz i mean other abdullah abdul got us my tribes on more quest than midnight marauders so as you can hear that's like a beatbox type beat and they just freestyling which i believe who's on this song um it is uh where is it at four i z e and a tribe called Quest. Well, it's a tribe called Quest reference, I should say. But it's really just him and Four Ize, which they destroy that mug. And you, if you go back and listen to that song as well, he does that on a lot of his albums. The other, the next two or three albums as well, he does like a little a beatbox freestyle type reference. So all in all. You know, to to basically sum it up before I get up out of here, because these episodes are only going to be 45 minutes to an hour. Um, the question you ask yourself if you're a Ludacris fan is, was this one of Ludacris' best albums? Was this one of his top three or top two albums? You know, that's up to y'all to decide. But if it was up to me, I would say that this was one of his, this was in his top three. Um, I still have the another two that I will put above this one. Um, I will not say it. I will discuss it on a later episode. Um, just know that um, Chicken and Beer and Release Therapy and Word of Mouth will bounce back and forth between those other spots. Um, the next question you can ask yourself is, during this time... This was year 2000s. Was Ludacris a top artist around this time? Um, during this time, I believe you have plenty of other uh, hip-hop artists. I'll, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to go down the line of naming them. 
But during this time, you know what? I am going to go name them. So during this time, you have The Locks. They released, what album came out that The Locks released? We Are The Streets. You have uh, Lil Boosie and these are all, and mind you, these are all 2000 albums that are coming out. That's why I asked. During this time of the 2000s, would you say that he was the best out, best rapper out? Talking only rap. Um, was this the best album of 2000? If What was your opinion of who had the best album of 2000? Um, continuing down the list, you had uh, Ghostface Killer. You have Supreme. He put out Supreme Clientele during that year. You have Trick Daddy. He had Book of Thugs that year. You have Benny Siegel, The Truth. That came out in February of 2000. Um, you have... Ice Cube, War and Peace, Volume 2, during that year. You have Murder, Inc. Records, Irv Gotti Presents the Murderers. Um, you have Trina, The Baddest Bitch. That came out in March of 2000. Uh, who else? You have The the Brat, Unrestricted, uh, in 2000. You have ESG, City Under Siege, in 2000. You have The Yin Yang Twins. Thug Walking, that album came out that year. You have DJ Quick, Balancing Options, Big Timers, I Got the Work. You have Eminem, the Marshall Mathis LP, which came out that year as well. You have, um, let's see, what else we got? 3 Six Mafia, When the Smoke Clears, 66, 61. You have Zero, Zero versus the World which came out in June of 2000. You have Busta Rhymes. Anarchy came out in the year 2000. Um, you have Lil' Kim, the Notorious K.I.M. came out in the year 2000. You have Nelly, Country Grandma came out the year 2000. Rough Riders, Ride or Die Volume 2 came out in that year. Lil' Flip, the Leprechaun came out in... 2000 so it seemed like the year 2000 was a, a lot of people's start um project pat you had murderers and robbers um you have also big l the big picture de la soul artificial intelligence uh Lil john and the east side boys we still crunk um what else? You have Do or Die, Victory. You have Mac Ten, the paper, the paper route, Sea Murder, Trapped in Crime, LL Cool J, Goat, featuring James T. Smith, the greatest of all time, which was a good album, and Too Short, uh, You Nasty, uh, Cameron, SDE. So, like, all these albums and these albums I'm naming that came out in 2000, these were some pretty good albums. Uh, you had Mystical, Let's Get Ready, which came out in 2000. Um, oh, you had, what's that, Shine, which was his, self, his uh, self-titled album that came out. Then you had uh, Bow Wow. Beware of the Dog album came out, which was his first album. And this was in September of 2000. Um, you had Scarface, The Last of a Dying Breed, which came out in October 
of 2000. So like Ja Rule, Rule 336, that came out in 2000. So as I continue to name, you had Jay-Z, the dynasty, Rock, Rock La Familia, which came out in October 31st. And then you had Outkast, Stankonia, Snoop Dogg, Dead Man Walking. Damn, it's a lot of shit that came out that year. A-Ball, MJG, Space Age Forever, Master P, Ghetto Postage, Memphis Bleak, The Understanding, uh, Lil Wayne, Lights, Lights Out. And to end the year of 2000, Snoop Dogg put out The Last Meal. So since I named all of those albums that came out, what y'all can do is, was this the best album of 2000? Um, after looking at this list, I would say no. Um, but did Luda have the the biggest impact in hip hop in that year? And I would say yes. So, and that's for y'all to debate on. But like I said, that album, the back for the first time, wasn't the best album that year. But he had the biggest impact on hip hop in that year. It was between him and Nelly. Ja Rule was already smoking, so his impact stayed the same. Jay-Z, his impact stayed the same. A lot of these other people that I named stayed the same. The only other person that you might say might be uh, Bow Wow, and bec just because that was his first album that came out that year. So that's just for something that y'all to think about out there. Um, one last thing before I get up out of here is that this album had a couple samples that I wanted to point out as well, that if people didn't know, um, that uh, Fat Rabbit song that was produced by Timberland, that was also sampled by Are You That Somebody by Aaliyah. A lot of people don't know that, but if you listen to that song with a different ear, which is what I want some people to do. That song is sampled by Are You That Somebody. Um, I will play a clip, but uh, nah, I'm not going to do that. Um, which was, which is, you know, it's Timberland beat. So, hey, you got the right to sample his own shit, which is smart because he getting double the money for it now. <laughs> um, and on that note, I think we're going to get up out of here and... I want y'all to go back and listen to this album. If not, oh, oh fucking well. But I appreciate y'all for listening. Um, as I say, I'm going to continue to switch it up, do different things, not not give y'all the same type of um, music. Of course, you know I'm gonna do a lot of R&B music. I'm gonna do some new some new music as well. Some old music, um, new TV shows, some old TV shows some new movies, some old movies. And also I'm going to have guests on as well, getting their opinions and just talking to them and chopping it up with them. So this is going to be a podcast of a variety of different things. Um, but I appreciate everyone um, with for the patience. I appreciate everyone for waiting around. And on that note, we are getting up out of here. And holla.